Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Alan, you're laughing at me. You uh, are mocking my duct tape fix? I am, because I actually wore one of the neck rolls when I played football. Yeah, so. well, it didn't help at all, nor did the uh, duct tape towels help it, me at all. You know, you're supposed to keep your head up and, you know, face mask. Play. We still put heads down. It's no wonder my neck is messed up. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, speaking of messed up, uh, Riley Gaines is a swimmer from the University of Kentucky. She was a multiple-time All-American. Uh, Riley Gaines, in her final year of college competition at the NCAA championships was made to dress in the same locker room as a biological man. Uh, you know, that biological man by the name of Will Thomas, um, or as Jason Whitlock, my friend from, uh, the blaze calls him Leah bill Thomas, because Will Thomas now goes by Leah Thomas, supposedly a woman because Will Thomas says she's a woman. Uh, Riley Gaines now has uh, gone on a speaking tour nationally, and she was at the University of Pittsburgh last night, where she faced opposition from, of course, the pro-trans lobby, including a professor named Gabby Yearwood. Uh, And Riley Gaines asked a simple question. She said, if you were to dig up the bones of two humans a hundred years from now, Could you tell which human was male and which human was female from their bones? And Professor Yearwood said, no, you could not tell the difference, merely upon their bone structure. Which, of course, is an utter lie, which is an absolute utter lie. And that is why earlier this week, the governing body of track and field, in a courageous move given the climate now, where we have had this week a transgender murderer in a school shooting. And in the same week, the president of the United States has signed a proclamation making today the transgender day of visibility. I'm just saying, if a group of people who I identified with had planned, staged, and executed a school shooting, I would be in lay low under the radar move uh, uh, mood right now. I wouldn't be in, hey, I know, let's get the president to make a couple days after this horrific event our day of visibility. But of course, this is not a surprise or should not be a surprise from a movement, the transgender movement, that is always continually in a state of what? Lust. For affirmation. Every single day, every single hour, every single minute, every single person that they encounter must affirm their delusion. I have never spent a day of my many decades existence on this earth caring one whit about what someone I encountered thought about my 
personal sexual proclivities. I've not discussed it with random strangers requiring their approval and affirmation because whatever they think of it is of zero consequence to me. But this is not how it works with transgender people or with lesbian or gay people. You have to constantly affirm their sexual choices because if you don't, well, that scratches the scab on their inner, clear, unsilenceable recognition that they are living at odds with God's plan for their life. He has placed his truth on every human heart, and that is why, in order to silence it, they need your approval constantly, always, forever. So in response to the governing body, the international governing body of track and field, banning men from running in Olympic competition against women, National Public Radio, you fund it, I fund it, our tax dollars fund it, issued a story in response to the international governing body of track and field saying, no, sorry, if you want to run in the Olympics, in the female competition, you have to have been born a female. And NPR's story said this. The international governing body for track and field will ban trans women athletes from elite women's competitions, citing a priority for fairness over inclusion. And then they added this. Despite limited scientific research involving elite trans athletes. Now, that's an interesting thing to note in the story, that there is limited scientific research involving elite trans athletes. Why would that be? Why would that be? This has been a hot-button issue for a while. Why would there be limited scientific research on elite trans athletes? Well, I have an answer for you. Uh, In a story dated March the 26th of this year, headlined thusly, biased research proposal rejected after professor called trans women males. Yes, the King's College of London has a professor. His name is John Armstrong. He did a detailed research project into trans feminine athletes, and his research has been rejected. Why? Did they find a problem with the control group? No. Did they find a problem with his uh, accumulation of data? No. Did they find a problem with the conclusions drawn based upon that data? Also, no. So why are they rejecting Professor Armstrong's research? They rejected it because, and I quote, the language used in his proposal showed an obvious bias toward trans women because his language is not sensitive and misgendered the athletes who responded to the survey. In other words, he called in order to keep things straight because it's time for a quiz. Is a transgender man a man or a woman? You got to think, right? You got to go, oh, wait a minute, it's the opposite. A transgender woman is a man. A transgender man is a woman. Not everybody can keep track of that. So he thought, you know, in order to keep it simple, so everybody knows what we're talking about because we want to work from a point of agreement so we can reach a reasonable conclusion from my data, we'll just call people according to their biological sex at birth. 
which of course disqualified the findings of his research because guess what? In a shocking development, Professor Armstrong's research (laughs) showed that biological men have a huge advantage over biological women when it comes to size, strength, speed, fast twitch muscle fibers, bone density, muscle mass, etc., etc., etc. So we're going to reject his research because we find the language hateful. We find the language intolerant. Well, you can reject the research all you want to. What you cannot reject are actual world events. Which brings me to the story of Canadian powerlifter Avi Silverberg. Avi Silverberg is the head coach for Team Canada's powerlifting team and has been since 2012. Mr. Silverberg has competed three times in the world's bench press competition, winning a bronze medal in 2010. Last Saturday, at a tournament in Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada, Avi Silverberg broke the weightlifting powerlifting record set by transgender powerlifter, biological man competing as a woman, Anne Andrus. So this guy's a dude, Avi Silverberg. He's the coach of the men's powerlifting team. And he realized what I have said ever since this kind of lunatic approach to women's athletic competition arose. And that is that all it will take to blow this to smithereens is a biological man who is willing to suffer whatever degradation there is in competing as a woman and then mocking it afterward. I love the idea of a male tennis player ranked like 800th in the world entering every female Grand Slam tournament and mopping the floor with Serena Williams and every other woman in the competition. I love the idea of a male golfer ranked 800th in the world going out on the LPGA Tour, winning every major, and then walking off the green at the end going, thanks for making me unbelievably wealthy. It was all a joke. I think I'm under satanic attack, Alan. In the last half hour, as I've been railing against the recruiters to the transgender ideology, I can tell I'm getting a cold. I think it's that neck roll, right? <laughs> yeah, a neck roll story, maybe. Yeah, could be. <laughs> Duck. Uh, by the way, uh, Alan has been producing the show the last couple of days. I want to say uh, at the end of a, of a bad week, um, I want to thank Pam. Uh, producer Pam, I always called her on air. I don't have permission to use her last name. I don't know if she wants her last name used or not, but Pam she doesn't have one. <laughs> has been a colleague for um, more than a year. She's been the producer of the show. Um, Salem had to make some, I guess, nationwide cutbacks, and uh, Pam was very unfortunately a victim of those cutbacks. And so I just want to publicly thank Pam for all she did for the show. She was invested. She cared deeply. She uh, made the show uh infinitely better than it was before she came aboard and i will miss her very very much and wish her nothing but the best Um, she's tremendous at what she does and um i just miss her and i feel very bad that she got caught in that i've been caught in those before and um i just uh am remiss that i have not uh, said it before now 
but awesome job, Pam, and I miss you. Now, last night, I uh, had the honor, and it was an honor, of emceeing the Adult Teen Challenge Ohio annual fundraising banquet at Villa Milano. Uh, first of all, Villa Milano has figured something out that a lot of places have not figured out, and that is how to make delicious banquet food. Villa Milano food is tremendous. So shout out Villa Milano on that. Uh, it was an unbelievable night, and a night that I told everyone assembled I needed badly. This has been a really bad week. The Nashville school shooting um, impacted me deeply. A lot of similarities between that school and the school my kids attend. I do believe strongly that uh, Christians in this country are headed for, if not in my lifetime, then certainly in my children's lifetime, open persecution from the government and people who are in power. I'm not trying to be melodramatic. I see it coming, and I'm not trying to be like Sybil the soothsayer here. It's expressly stated in Scripture. And if it's expressly stated in Scripture, then it's going to happen. That makes me sad because, as Alan said earlier in the program, he and I both had the uh, extreme blessing of growing up in a country where our peers loved and appreciated our country for the uniqueness of our country. We have a large group of people in our country now who hate our country because they hate God and because it is perhaps not cognitively, but certainly nevertheless a part of their belief that the United States of America is an experiment that was ordained by God and has been able to flourish with God's hand upon it, but I do not believe God's hand is upon our nation anymore. I believe that our enslavement to abortion and addiction and lies and immorality all demonstrate that we have willfully walked away from God and his authority in our life. We do not submit to any authority other than our own. I'm not speaking about Christians now. I'm speaking about the country as a whole. The pictures of the three little kids murdered in Nashville of the heroic administrators who tried to intervene impacted me deeply, as I'm sure they impacted you. So I needed something to remind me of what I already know, which is that as unpleasant as I expect things to get for my daughters and for my grandchildren, if I'm blessed to have any, as unpleasant as I expect things to get, I still know how this game ends. And it ends with God winning. It's going to get ugly before he wins. That, too, is scripturally true. And I don't think we have any idea how ugly it can get. We see vestiges of it in the indictment of Donald Trump. We see vestiges of it in the way that pro-life people are persecuted. 
and pro-abortion people are not for the exact same theoretical violations of the SAFE Act. We see it in the way that our children are being indoctrinated. We see it in many different ways. But nevertheless, as Bible-believing Christians, we know that God triumphs in the end. And I needed to be reminded of that. I needed to see evidence of that. And I saw evidence of that last night in the transformed lives of some amazing young women and some amazing families who told their stories to us who were assembled at Villa Milano for the Teen Challenge annual fundraising banquet. We have a kind of, sort of idea of how ugly and hopeless addiction can be to hear it from the mouths of beautiful, positive, contented people last night who articulated how far down they were, how desperate they were, and how the love of Jesus Christ shown to them by Pastor Linda, Pastor Phil, and the people from Adult Teen Challenge Ohio, to see them make this amazing transformation from hopelessness to the certainty of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ was powerful and, as I said, much, much needed. So I just am reminded anew that we are not promised comfort. There's this ongoing search out there in the world for happiness. And the word happy is based upon happenstance, which is based upon circumstances. Contentment is different. Contentment is based upon an inner certainty of what you know to be true. Not what you feel, what you know to be true. And the women last night did a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful job of articulating what they know to be true, which is that God loves them and designed a unique and special purpose for their life, gifted them with the talents and abilities to accomplish that purpose, and that there is nothing beyond the restoration of God's mighty hand. Fractured family relationships, fractured marriages, fractured parent-to-children relationships, all have been restored in these women's lives by the hand of God acting through kind, compassionate, and yes, people who value and instill discipline in the lives of people who agree to subject themselves to the program at Adult Teen Challenge Ohio. I cannot thank the women who graduated last night and the women who graduated in the past and told their stories. I cannot thank them enough. Uh, You might think your story is a story of hope just for you and your family, but believe me, it resonated far, far, far beyond that last night. 